Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. Merry New Year! Go Bears! Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. Right? He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and a, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in the profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers... Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself and <laughs> asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. It's a new year, but we're still here on WLUW 88.7 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University. It is Packer Week. Bears-Packers coming up at 3.25 this afternoon on Fox. There is a lot at stake today for the Chicago Bears. The Packers are in the playoffs, but the Bears need to win this game or the Arizona Cardinals need to lose to make the playoffs. And there might be more than just playoff hopes on the line I will break it all down for you here for the next hour. Welcome to the Sunday Sports Shootout. I'm Nick Schultz. Excited to be with you another year. The calendar has flipped to 2021. I'm glad we're done with 2020. The year was not good. It sucked. But I'm glad to be back with you. January 3rd, Bears-Packers. This is what we live for as Bears fans. This is the game. Always the biggest game of the year is the Packer game. And this week... Even more so with playoff hopes on the line, maybe people's jobs on the line at Ryan Pace, but maybe not Matt Nagy. There's so much going on with this game. And again, 325 kickoff, it got flexed. It was a noon kickoff, but it got flexed to 325 on Fox. I'm excited, and I hope you are as well. And there was an article in The Athletic this week from Kevin Fishbane, who does great work covering the Bears. This game has a lot of shades of 2013. If you remember the 2013 game, it's a game that will live in infamy, to quote Franklin Delano Roosevelt. I'll talk about my time watching that game, what I felt watching that game in 2013 as a sophomore in high school, to date myself a little bit. Also, because we do have stuff other than football to talk about, the Cubs made a trade this week. If you want to call it a trade, it was more of a salary dump. Hugh Darvish got traded to San Diego along with Victor Caratini for a bunch of prospects. What does this say about where the Cubs are going? Where should the Cubs go next? That'll be coming up in the second half hour. The Blackhawks got bit by the injury bug bad this week. Had three major injuries in the last week. We'll talk about that. If I have some time, we'll talk about Missouri Valley basketball because Evansville, wow. I didn't think Evansville would win a game all year. They're 2-1 in Valley play. So if we have some time, I'll get to that. If you want to chime in during the show at all, feel free to tweet me at Nick Schultz underscore seven. I can't take calls because we are working remote. And we just got confirmation 
from higher ups. We will be fully remote next semester as well. This coming semester, we will be remote. Therefore, no phone calls for the next five months or so. So until then, if you want to interact with the show, shoot me a tweet. I might work on some other avenues here, maybe streaming on Twitch to get some live interaction on there as well. But until then, shoot me a tweet or a DM. My DMs are open. I would love to interact with you and talk football because I'm talking a lot of football today. And if you want to talk some basketball as well, obviously I'm always down to talk some hoops. But the big story, as I said, Bears-Packers today, big one. Packers are favored by three and a half last I checked. That line might have moved. That was yesterday when I checked that. They opened as five and a half point favorites. It is now down to three and a half points. And as I said, the Bears need to either win this game or the Arizona Cardinals need to lose their games to the LA Rams in order to make the playoffs. It'd be easier if they just win the game today. Both games kick off at 325, so there's no chance of... The Cardinals game being done at noon and knowing who's going to play in the 325 game. Both games go off at the same time. Therefore, you've got to play them both. And I don't know what's going to happen in either game. Full disclosure. The Rams are without Jared Goff, who broke his thumb last week. And if you, I watched the injury, it was brutal. And they're without Cooper Cup, who's on the COVID reserve list. And I heard rumors that Cam Akers is a game-time decision. Meanwhile, Kyler Murray is looking like he's going to play for Arizona today. So, not a lot going in the Rams' favor for a victory over the Cardinals. But you never know. It's the NFL. Kyler Murray didn't look all that great last week. So, there's hope there. But again, it'd be easier if the Bears just beat the Packers today. It's always easier if the Bears beat the Packers, which they haven't had a good track record of. Even going back so far as 2013, and I... I don't want to bring up his name. I feel like I'm saying Beetlejuice here. But Mark Trustman coaching that 2013 team. And it. Oh, I remember watching that game. I, I forgot, honestly, just how fired up I was after that game until I read Kevin Fishbane's article in The Athletic yesterday. And it was really good. I would highly suggest taking the time to read it if you're an Athletic subscriber. The headline is Aaron Rodgers and the Bears gut-wrenching 2013 loss to the Packers. Because that's exactly what it was. It was gut-wrenching for a couple different reasons. And he goes, I mean, he goes into detail. He's got pictures just with graphics. It's very well done. And I'm going to read some of it just to basically show how this rivalry could have changed. How may, Could the Trespin era have changed with this win? I'm not really sure. But you'll, you'll see where I'm going with this. Sean Desay, I think is how you pronounce it, is the only member of the current Bears coaching staff that was with the team in that season in 2013. This is from The Athletic. He was a quality control coach in his first season in the NFL. Let's go down a little bit. As he prepares his players for this Sunday's game against Green Bay, he might be extra emphatic about pouncing on a loose ball. After experiencing what he did seven years ago, you can't blame him. If anyone knows where I'm going with this, go ahead and plug your ears for a minute because I'm going to read a, a play that Bears fans will never, never forget. It's first down for the Packers from the Bears' 17-yard line. Rodgers is trying to elude the rush, and as he goes back to throw, Julius Peppers hits him. The ball comes out forward and to Rodgers' left. Everyone stood around, except for Packers wide receiver Jared Boykin. He scooped it up somewhat nonchalantly. He didn't move for a second before Rodgers came over and urged him to run into the end zone. Touchdown, Packers. They didn't pounce on the loose ball. This was, we talk about how the Bears are known for having 
this great vaunted defense and a bad offense. This year was the exception to that. The offense was the bright spot and the defense wasn't good at all. So that play especially captures that. And there's quotes in here from Patrick Manley, Kyle Long, uh, Corey Wooden, Aaron Rodgers himself. And you go on, this is when the Packers took a 10-7 lead. And let's scroll down a little more. Did you know the Packers' game-winning touchdown drive lasted 15 plays and took 5 minutes and 46 seconds off the clock? I'm quoting now. He opened with a controversial 4th and 1. John Kuhn got it, and Bears fans to this day will say it should have been a delay of game before the snap, because it should have, but let's not talk about it. At the two-minute warning, another fourth and one. This time, Rodgers hit Jordy Nelson for a six-yard gain. Fourth and eight from the Chicago 48-yard line, 46 seconds left. Now, this I, I want this quote from Kyle Long is awesome. It, Kyle Long has turned into a, a media star. Like, if you watch him on, I think he's on CBS now. He did some work with ESPN 1000 at one point. He's been on a few radio stations in town, a few TV stations. He's really good. And Kevin has a quote in here that's, and I'm just going to quote the article. As Long rewatches the play, he describes it like he's Jeff Joniak. Julius Peppers, it looks like it's going to be a great edge rush. It's a clean rush. John Kuhn clips him. Aaron Rodgers moves to the left, slings it over the top, he said, and then a pause. It's a play that's indelible for the franchise. This is the Chris Conti play. Chris Conti blew the coverage. He blew the coverage. Rodgers throws a touchdown to Randall Cobb. Game, set, match. So again, I that's just I just read a little bit of this article. It's a it's lengthy, but it's worth it. Very well done. And similar circumstances to today. The Bears needed to win that game to make the playoffs. That's why there's so many shades of 2013 in this game. And I remember, I don't know, I don't know how I remember this, but I remember tweeting after that game and my buddy trying to defend Chris Conti. I, th- I think I could consider him my buddy. Now, I won't say his name. Uh, but I tweeted, this is 2013. Now, keep in mind, December 29th of 2013. That would have been middle of my sophomore year of high school. I was... How old would I have been? 15? Chris Conti needs to go. Now is exactly what I said. I remember tweeting this. I don't know how. And a friend of mine responds back, it's not Conti's fault. People need to stop blaming him. I never said it was Conti's fault. So I responded to him saying, I'm not saying it was his fault. He's just not good. And the response that this is why it sticks out, he's in the NFL. He's good. Now, I'm no expert on football fans' opinions, but I think there are a few people who would say Mitch Trubisky is not good. He's in the NFL. There are people who would say, I'm going to throw a name out there, Josh McCown isn't good. He's in the NFL. I, I just wanted to share that because that, that there's those, if anyone's, any millennials out there, any Gen Zs around TikTok, there's the one going around about name... A video that lives rent-free in your head, that tweet lives rent-free in my head because I can't... And I've read this article, I'm like, I remember that. So, I still... I mean, I I have it now, the hair is standing up in the back of my neck thinking about Chris Conti, saying his name. And yeah, I I just wanted to share that interaction. 
But hopefully today is better. <laughs> it can't get any worse. I mean, I guess it, I guess it could. It could be a, a blowout. I mean, I'd rather have had a blowout than have that. I mean, that was preventable. And, I mean, Rogers started off the game throwing two picks. He never throws two picks. He came back from the collarbone injury for that game. The odds were in the Bears' favor, and they blew it. And it wasn't just because Conte blew the coverage. I know it's not entirely his fault. It's the, the inability to pick up a loose ball and claim possession. Instead, letting the Packers take it back for a touchdown. It's that kind of thing. So again, the betting lines for today, Bears are favored by three and a half, at least last I checked. If anyone knows the, the actual line, if it moved, if it's moved at all, let me know. But last I saw it was Packers by three and a half. Bears are three and a half point dogs at Soldier Field. I'll have my prediction at the end of the show. But again, there's more than just playoff implications with this game. The futures, well, before this morning, the futures of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy were hanging in the balance with this because I don't, I don't know if you know this the McCaskies hate losing to the Packers I mean they hate losing in general which I mean they've been losing now for let's see when did they make the Super Bowl 85 we're going on well I think my dad's in the corner here I don't want to make him feel old here but we're going on what 35 years since the 85 Bears so that let's say the jokes I could make the jokes but I'm not going to my, my point is they don't like losing to the Packers Let's jump in the Wayback Machine here, Mr. Peabody. Let's go to January 3rd, 2012. Packers, 35. Bears, 21. Josh McCown was the quarterback, I believe. I had the wrong game. No. In January 3rd, 2012, which was actually eight years ago today. No, nine years ago today. It's 2021. <laughs> nine years ago today. Bear with me here. It's, it's a new year. Nine years ago today, Packers 35, Bears 21. Does anyone know what happened after the 2012 season? I'll give you a hint. Jerry Angelo got fired. Lovey Smith stayed, but Jerry Angelo got fired. Now, this is a great example of what's probably going to happen with the Bears today. Here is a soundbite from NFL Network today in Rappaport talking about the future of Matt Nagy as Bears coach. For the Chicago Bears, Matt Nagy, his team lost six straight, looked to be headed in completely the wrong direction. He gave up play calling. It was all going bad. Instead, they won three games in a row. He is expected back, I'm told. And also, Rich, he's taken much more of a heavier hand in play calling, which has helped them down the stretch. So that was Ian Rappaport talking about how Matt Nagy's safe as, ba as Bears coach. I'd agree with that. I've been talking to people all week. I think that Matt Nagy has coached his way into keeping his job. I think between giving up the play calling and the, I don't care if they're, I don't, it doesn't matter who they beat. Look, looking at it from purely number standpoint, the way the Bears have played the last few weeks, Matt Nagy has coached his way back into keeping his job. And I know I've, I've flipped since my rant after the Lions game when I said fire everybody down to the groundskeeper and the water boy. But no, Matt Nagy's going to stay. Rappaport is as connected as anybody. I trust that. There have been other reports, too, saying that Nagy's probably safe. And now the question comes up, will Ryan Pace come around? Because notice, you're hearing all this stuff about Matt Nagy staying around. Matt Nagy, his job is safe, blah, 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 blah. 
you don't hear about Ryan Pace's job security, which leads me to believe that, say, the Bears lose today and the Cardinals win today. Bears are out of the playoffs. I would, I would go on the record and say tomorrow, Ryan Pace is going to be fired. I, I really think that's what's going to happen. It's, again, if Jerry Angelo and Levy Smith got fired at the same time in 2012, this would be a different story. But the Bears have a history. Of, they've, in recent history, in the last decade, they've gotten rid of the GM and kept the head coach. Now, Lovey was fired after 2013, which that's a rant for another time, whether he should have been at 10-6. and 6. But it's, it wouldn't be the first time they did this. And I know that Ryan Pace has a, has a great relationship with the McCaskey family. I understand that. But if George McCaskey is serious about making this thing work, you've got to look at what's going on on the field. Pace can't build an offense. He drafted the wrong guy. He, draft, he, he traded up to draft the wrong guy. He went rogue. He didn't tell John Fox what he was doing when he drafted the wrong guy. Look at what Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes are doing in this league. Granted, I give him kind of a pass on Patrick Mahomes because I didn't know who Patrick Mahomes was in that draft. But either way, look at what they're doing. He traded up and got the wrong guy. Look at the offensive line. It sucks. Yeah, they've done well in recent weeks, but they've sucked. David Montgomery was a hit. I really like David Montgomery's game. I'm glad they're using him more. David Montgomery was a hit. Darnell Mooney is looking like a hit. It all starts at the quarterback position and the offensive line, which the Bears have neither. So I really and truly think that Ryan Pace should be gone at season's end, even if they make the playoffs today. Whether that happens or not is to be seen, but if he stays around, the McCaskies had better be prepared for the fans to go up in arms. I've said it before. I think Matt Nagy's play calling ability is what held him back. It's what held the Bears back for most of this season and last season. Now that he's given up the play calling to Bill Lazor, which after a rough start against Minnesota has been pretty good. The Bears are in a better position and Mitch is looking better. But here's the other thing that can happen with this game. I'm going to take you back in the Wayback Machine again, Mr. Peabody. Let's go November 9th, 2014. Packers, 55. Bears, 14. George McCaskey said, I want to say that was a quote at the end of that season, that Virginia is, quote, pissed off. What happened at the end of the year? Emory and Trustman, out the window. They're gone. That's when Ryan Pace came in. I don't fault Ryan Pace for hiring John Fox. That was Ernie Acorsi. The Bears brought in a search firm. They blew that. They didn't trust Pace to hire his guy. Pace hired Nagy. So let, I'll give him a pass on the John Fox hiring. Because that was not, Pace did not make that decision. That was, a, that was an outside firm led by Ernie Acorsi that hired John Fox. That is confirmed. But a blowout loss to the Packers led to everybody gone. If the Bears get blown out today, which I, I, 
I'll knock on wood. I don't think they will. But if they do, be prepared. Because Bears Twitter is going to go nuts. I think you're going to see some very important conversations happen tonight and maybe even a press conference tomorrow. If they, I don't even know if they do a press conference. There'll be a press release of some kind tomorrow talking about people leaving the organization. But my prediction is, as we sit here January 3rd, 2021, at 11.20 a.m., the Bears will need a new GM next year. Ryan Pace, or ne- Ryan Pace will be gone. Matt Nagy will stay as head coach. And another important conversation that needs to happen, whether whether the Bears dominate the Packers today or not defensively, should Chuck Pagano still be the defensive coordinator? I'm going to say no. It's time to... It's not working. Especially if the Bears only do three-man rushes again against Aaron Rodgers. They need a change. It was all they did the last time they played the Packers was three-man rushes against Aaron Rodgers. You're not going up against some Joe Schmo quarterback off the street. You're going up against Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I mean... Even even Deshaun Watson, like the, the Texans' offensive line is bad. The Packers have a good offensive line, and they have Aaron bleeping Rodgers. Four-man rushes, please. And do not drop Khalil Mack into coverage. Do not do that. I don't like seeing that. He needs to be rushing the passer, which he's good at. And I want to see more of Robert Quinn today, who I was reading a piece from Patrick Finley today at the Sun-Times that he's out for revenge because he's had a rough year in the first year of a big contract. Maybe he can perform well today. But I really think you need to change a guard at the defensive coordinator spot. The ideal situation would have been to bring back Vic Fangio, but Adam Schefter is reporting that Vic Fangio's job is safe in Denver. And as I, going back to the coaching situation for a second, Jay Glazer is on Fox Sports right now saying time will tell about Matt Nagy's future. Doug Peterson and Zach Taylor are safe. So that's something to keep in mind. Rappaport at NFL Network is reporting that Nagy's job is safe, but Jay Glazer, who's Arguably the most dialed-in guy in football is saying, time will tell about Matt Nagy. That is very interesting to see. And Vic Fangio's name is not up on this graphic of gone. He's got six guys. Anthony Lidd, Adam Gase, Doug Marone, Raheem Morris, Romeo Cronell, and Daryl Bevel. All gone on that coaching carousel. Matt Nagy is time will tell. So something else to keep in mind. Maybe, maybe Nagy's future isn't as set in stone as we think it is. But going back to the defensive coordinator position. If Vic Fangio was gone from Denver, which it doesn't sound like he will be. It sounds like he's safe. I would have said, go get him, bring him back, pay him whatever he wants. Because that defense was on another level when he was there. You know why? I think the big difference is it's a little, it's a little tiny detail. But I think it makes a difference. Pagano is running the defense from the sideline. Fangio used to run it from up top. When you're up top, I feel like I'm stating the obvious here. I feel like I'm Captain Obvious. But when you're up top, you see more. You see how the game is developing more up top than you do on the sideline. It's a little tiny thing that might not make the biggest difference in the grand scheme of things. But I, I really think that's, that's one separator between Fangio and Pagano. Is that Vic would be up top in the booth running the defense. But Pagano's on the sideline. And he doesn't, I want to see more blitzes. 
especially, I mean, it'd, it'd be one thing. I'd feel better about this game, even if the even if they were going up against, say, Kyler Murray, or I'll even say Lamar Jackson. I know I'm going to the AFC, but for argument's sake, those types of quarterbacks, the mobile quarterbacks, I'd I'd feel better. But Aaron Rodgers seems to has his way have his way with this defense, and I, I don't want to see that happen today. But that's. There's so much going on behind the scenes with this game today. It's why I really, the last Packer game, I really wasn't as fired up for as I usually am for Packer games. I mean, even when the Bears are bad, I'm like, okay, as long as, as long as they beat the Packers, who cares? Like, usually I'm going into Packer games like, okay, cool. If you remember, even go, go back and listen to my show from before that game, and you'll hear me. I'm just kind of like, okay, they're playing the Packers. They're going to get killed, breathe in, breathe out, move on. Today, I'm saying they... They're playing for jobs. They're playing for careers. And one of the guys playing for his career is Mitchell Trubisky. I call it the Mitch question. Does he stay or does he go? I'm quoting the clash. Does he stay or does he go? It is a complicated question. I know he got benched this year. He's a different quarterback since the benching. I, and look at the caliber of teams. I made, I made this point the last few weeks. Look at context. The Jaguars, the Texans, the Lions, the Vikings... Not great teams. Not good teams. I don't think any of those teams are playoff caliber teams. And his numbers against the Packers came in garbage time. So you can't really count that because they were basically in a prevent defense. But the question going into today is, does Mitch stay or does he go? Because they declined his fifth-year option. So there's no chance of him coming back next year on that option. One option, it'd be a crazy decision, would be to franchise tag him, which is in the ballpark of $25 million. I mean, I know, like, I know people aren't the biggest Mitch Trubisky fans, but I think even the biggest Trubisky fans would say he's not worth $25 mil. So I think that would be a crazy option. The only way I could see him coming back. Bears win today. Mitch puts on a show. Bring him back for a cheaper three-year contract. Two, three-year contract. Because you have to remember here, it's, it's got to be cheap. Because Nick Foles is making $8 million over the next two years. He had three years left on his deal entering this year. $8 million over the next two years. I should say over the next two years. Each of the next two years will be making $8 million. So that is an important factor in any decision about Trubisky's future. So I don't know what's going to happen with Trubisky, but I, I'm seeing uh, tweets on my timeline here because I had my tweet deck open during the show. Nate Burleson on CBS. This is all about Mitchell Trubisky. He's not just playing for position. He's playing for his career. Let's give him credit. When the pressure is on, he's been playing well. Oh, yeah, the pressure's been on. If the Bears lost any of these last four games, especially to Jacksonville when they were tied at 10, making everybody squirm, if they'd have lost that game, no chance Mitch comes back. But he's performed well when he needs to. Now, today, he needs to perform really well. He needs to put on a show. And I don't know if it comes down to the play calling. The offensive line's definitely going to have to help. 
but I don't know what the X factor will be for Mitch to play well, or at least well enough to keep his job. But he's got to be lights out today. No mistakes. No bonehead picks in the end zone like he had against Jacksonville. Throw the ball away. He needs to be smart. He needs to use his legs. He needs to roll out what, it, what he's comfortable with. Find Allen Robinson. He's starting to go to Darnell Mooney more. Find him. Make plays happen. He needs to be a playmaker today. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. One other note here before I move on for a little bit. Uh, the quote from Rappaport about how Matt Nagy's been getting more involved with the play calling lately, was that news to anyone else? I didn't know that. I thought it was Bill Lazor's show. I thought Bill Lazor was the one that was calling the plays. So why, why is Matt Nagy getting back into the play calling there? I don't know what that means. It was just a little throwaway line in Rappaport's report. The, the crux of the report was that Nagy's job is safe. But that little bit at the end, he's been getting more involved with play calling. I want to know what that's about. I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing. I mean, I didn't like him calling all the plays and being head coach because there's not a lot of coaches who can do that. Well, game in, game out, regularly do that. But I just want to know more about that. Maybe we'll get more in the post-game press conference today. Who knows? There's that, that just kind of jumped out at me. And I don't know if I'm alone in that, but I, it was an interesting line from a guy like Ian Rappaport. As we hit the bottom of the hour, I want to remind you, you're listening to WLUWFM 88.7, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University. I'm currently coming to you from my detached garage in Dwight, Illinois, a very snowy Dwight, Illinois. I believe it's snowed and iced all over the region. So everybody stay safe on the roads. If you want to chime in, again, feel free to slide in my Twitter DMs or, tw- or tweet me a reply at Nick Schultz underscore seven. I do have a couple here. Uh, Daryl Horowitz, who uh, was the former host of the show, said, don't forget, Virginia really likes Pace, kind of like a grandson. That's what I said. I know the relationship's there. But when all's said and done, you've got to look at the product. And I know that my buddy Jonah Blatt's been chiming in. If you could take calls, I'd be 100% in for that. Yeah, I wish I could take calls. I mean, I, I, I used to love taking calls in the studio. Now that we can't, it's, it's kind of weird. Kind of just doing this by myself for an hour. And when I, ha- when I do interviews, i got to pre-record them, which I was going to try and book an interview this week, but I got called into work. But yeah, feel free to tweet me throughout the show. The next half hour, I'm here. Another NFL note of sorts, I guess. I saw a tweet from Adam Schefter today that kind of caught my eye. I was getting coffee because I get coffee before my show every week. It's just like a superstition that I get a cup of coffee. Adam Schefter reports at 10, 10 a.m. today. Big 10 coaching update. Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald is open to taking NFL head coaching interviews. Ohio State head coach Ryan Day is not, per sources. That is is very intriguing from the sense of the Chicago sports landscape because Jim Phillips is no longer the athletic director at Northwestern. He's now the ACC commissioner. I still think he should have been the Big Ten commissioner, but that's that's a topic for another day. When that happened, my first thought was, okay, is Fitz going to start looking at the NFL now? And the answer apparently is yes. 
is open to taking NFL head coaching interviews. Now, all that went down with Jim Phillips about the time that the Bears were struggling to the point where we thought Nagy was going to get fired. And everyone was saying, okay, fits to the Bears. Well, I'm now thinking that Nagy's staying. I don't know where Fitz would go. I mean, the, the Wildcats did well this year. I think it's, I mean, they won the Big Ten West. They played in the Big Ten title game and really contained Ohio State better than Clemson did. Just saying that, that was an insane performance for Justin Fields. But I don't know where he'd fit in in the NFL outside of Chicago because I really think the only job he would have taken was the Bears. I know he was, was he in talks for the Packer job? Was it last year or whenever they fired Mike McCarthy? I know he was in talks, but I, I'm not sure where he'd fit into the NFL. Maybe a defensive coordinator. Who knows? No, I'm just that's not going to happen. But that's just an interesting note, something to keep an eye on, especially if you're Big Ten or Big Ten football fan, Northwestern football fan, or just a sports fan in Illinois. Something to keep an eye on. And I'm, I'm moving on from football here for a few minutes, but I will have a Bears prediction at the end of the show, I'm still kind of double-checking if I want to go with my prediction I have on my notebook right now because I it's going to be a, a, coin, a, coin, a coin flip, I can't talk, in terms of where things will fall because the Packers have injuries, the Bears have some injuries. All right, let's talk Cubs. I can't believe I've made it almost 34 minutes without talking about this Cubs trade. I mean Cubs salary dump because that's what it was. This was Monday, I think, when you Darvish got traded to San Diego with Victor Caratini for a bunch of prospects that I'd never heard of. And none of them are in the top 10 of San Diego's system. They are all very young, which I guess isn't necessarily a bad thing. The Cubs received back Zach Davies, who's a proven major leaguer, I wouldn't say very good one, but a proven major leaguer, former Brewer, and prospects Reginald Preciado, Owen, I think it's Casey, Cassie, Jason Santana, and Ismail Mena. Has anyone heard of any of those guys? If you have, let me know, because I want to know more about them. I've never heard of any one of those players, and I know none of them are in the top ten of the Padres system. And that's saying something, considering you, Darvish, finished second in voting for a little award you may or may not have heard of it called the Cy Young. I know it was an abbreviated season, but he was still a Cy Young runner-up. That's what you got for you, Darvish, and his personal catcher, Victor Caratini, who could probably start for the Padres, who could probably start for any team. That's what you got back. And then Jed Hoyer in the press conferences saying it wasn't a salary dump. Come on, Jed. Come on, Jed. That was a salary dump. You were getting rid of however million was left on Darvish's deal. And I know the Cubs threw in $3 million of, I want It was about, what, $58 million on Darvish's deal? And it, it's not a salary dump. Oh, come on, Jed. Where do the Cubs go from here now? I mean, I really, I've been thinking about that since I put the question out there. Where do they go next? Rumors are flying that Wilson Contreras is on the market, but Jed called that fictional, which is reassuring. I mean, if you trade Contreras and Caratini, you're down a catcher, and that's a pretty important position in baseball. You're, you're down the catcher position entirely. So where where to next? And this also, this so, so 
the Cubs got rid of $55 million of Darvish's deal and whatever Caratini was supposed to make. Did you catch that Jed Hoyer's not hiring a GM until after this season, probably? He's half planning on going through this season without a general manager. Well done, Tom Ricketts. Well done. You are executing the cost-cutting, the money-saving tactics perfectly. I know Jed gave the reason of wanting to do in-person interviews after the pandemic's over. We don't know when the pandemic will be over. Yeah, the vaccines are out, but they're moving pretty slow. I know Major League Baseball wants to wait until fans are back in the stands to start the season, or at least they're trying to hold it off. I don't think they're going to be able to do that. But to wait to hire a GM until you can do in-person interviews, you don't know how long you'll be waiting. So i, I got to give Tom Ricketts credit for fully executing the cost savings strategy that he's got going because this is this is well done i i want to know who's next is anyone else on the market if the cubs would have gotten mckenzie gore the padres top prospect or someone like mckenzie gore back a name that people have heard of i think we'd react a little different to this because you'd see that the cubs are trying to get better now these guys i don't think they played above single a ball Above single A ball. Don't tell me this wasn't a salary dump. If you're really focused on the future, you'll, you'll find guys who can help you win in the next couple years. These guys are going to be projects. I cannot remember the last time I was this fired up about a Cubs trade. Just because the Padres, was at, at the, CBS Sports, gave the Padres an A for the trade. And gave the Cubs an F. Welcome to the big leagues, Jed. You got fleeced. That's exactly what happened. You got fleeced. I don't. I, I want to know what he sees in these prospects. I didn't quite see an answer on that from the press conference. But I don't see a lot here in the immediate future. I see projects. That's the best word for them. They are projects. And from a from an organization that hasn't been great about developing the last 10 years. They can only go up from here, I'd hope, unless they're going to trade Chris Bryant for a bag of peanuts. They already let Kyle Schwarber walk. I think any talk of him coming back is basically done now. So I don't know who's going to play left field. But this is, this is a great way to cut costs by Tom Ricketts. Jed's not going to hire a GM. We're going to trade our best pitcher from last year. It's safe to say you Darvish was the best pitcher from last season. Most outside of, okay, Kyle Hendricks maybe, between Hendricks and Darvish. But now you're out John Lester in the rotation. You're out you Darvish in the rotation. You're out Jose Quintana in the rotation. Well, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think Jose Quintana is coming back. So you have Kyle Hendricks. And you have Alec Mills. Need some pitching, Jed. It's a crazy offseason. I know there's a lot going on this offseason. Theo stepping down and Jed stepping in. Not liking the start. And David Haw, who I had on the show a few weeks back, 
David Haw tweeted that once again, Theo Epstein was the smartest man in the room before he left it. Theo saw the writing on the wall here. Now it's Jed's show, and Jed has to deal with it. All over Twitter, people were laughing at this trade. And I follow a lot of Chicago sports fans and personalities. They were laughing at this trade. Now, Theo made bad trades too. I look at Ian Stewart for DJ LeMahieu. Because DJ LeMahieu is now a gold glover, gold glove winner for the Yankees. You look at the Quintana for Jimenez and Cease, which I, I don't think is as bad as people say compared to the White Sox trading Fernando Tatis Jr. for James Shields. But the Quintana for Jimenez and Cease trade wasn't great. It was not one of Theo's better trades. Jed's going to have these two. It's just the name of the game. But I was very underwhelmed when I saw that. And maybe the, maybe it's just Jed's negotiating tactics. I don't, I don't know. We're not in the room. I don't know how Jed negotiates. And Daryl chimes in. Regarding the Cubs and the Darvish trade, the biggest disappointment was no pitchers were part of the prospect hall. Exactly. Cole Wilcox, who the Cubs liked and the Cubs were talking to with the pop the Cubs are talking with the Padres about, I think is what he's trying to say, was traded the day before to Tampa Bay. San Diego insisted on Caratini. How come the Cubs never insist on something or there's no deal? That's a great question. And again, I don't know. We're not in the room. I, I guess in the room really isn't a phrase you can use now with the pandemic. We're not in the negotiations. So I don't know how Jed's negotiating tactics are. I don't know what, I don't, I don't know what they're saying in there. This trade put a bad taste in my mouth, and I know I'm not alone in that. I'm all I get saving a few bucks. I know no fans in the stands hurt the owners big time. Did it really hurt the Cubs that much? And David Kaplan at ESPN 1000 and NBC Sports Chicago is reporting the Ricketts are in debt from re, from revamping Wrigleyville, which I could that be part of the problem? I don't know. I'm not privy to all that, but this is next-level stuff from the Ricketts family. We follow in that. It's going to be a, it's going to be a wild offseason. The Blackhawks got beat up by the injury bug this week. Now, remember last week, I was talking about Stan Bowman getting promoted because Stan Bowman did get promoted. Whether it was a good move or not is to be seen, but I don't think... The Blackhawks are going to be contending this year because the Blackhawks are entering a rebuild. I don't think it's a well-executed rebuild, but they're they're entering a rebuild. But to start this coming season, which starts training camp, start should start soon if it doesn't start today. They will be without Alex Nylander, who tore up his knee. He'll be out most, if not all, the season. Jonathan Taves announced this week he's got an undisclosed illness and will not be at the start of training camp. We don't know how long he'll be how long he'll be out. Kirby Doc broke his wrist, and if you haven't seen the picture of it, uh, say, spare yourself. It's not pretty. Those are three huge pieces for this Hawks team that they'll be without to start the season. And it just, maybe maybe the Hawks will tank for the number one pick in the draft. Who uh, It's a former Chicago Oilers player 
I think is what I read. I think that was Ben Pope that said that. But maybe they'll just tank for the top for the top pick. They should not be contending for the playoffs. I know with the way the Stanley Cup playoffs are, every team in the league, it seems like, makes the playoffs. But uh, the Hawks need to look at the future. Stan Bowman said it himself. He needs to, they need to look at the future. Therefore, don't look. Don't try to make the playoffs this year. Just tank. If Stan was really looking toward the future, he wouldn't have put those no-movement clauses in Taves and Canes and Keys and Seabrook's contracts so he could fully execute a rebuild here. It kills me to say that. I said it before. They, those guys they can't build around these guys, but you're stuck with them because Stan made bad deals, which is not uncommon with Stan Bowman. Now you're out your three, two, three of your biggest pieces, including one big, one major building block in Kirby Doc. I miss the good old days, you know. Like, and I, I say the good old days is in ten years ago. <laughs> ten years ago, the Blackhawks were Stanley Cup champions. They were on the upswing. It wasn't Stan Bowman's teams; it was Dale Talon's teams. And when the Blackhawks had that dynasty. 2010 through 2015, here we are six years after the last Stanley Cup title and they're trying to go into a rebuild and it's not a good rebuild. They promoted their GM to president of hockey operations and I don't think that was a good move. I was surprised when I heard about it. I know a lot of other people were surprised when they heard about it because he's his own boss because he's president of hockey operations and general manager. At least we had the Bulls, question mark. I mean, the Bulls won a couple games this week. They got blown out by Giannis and the Bucks, but they won a couple games, both over the Wizards, who are not good this year, despite Russell Westbrook putting up triple-double after triple-double. But we, I mean, I guess we had the Bulls. The White Sox? White Sox are on the upswing. But yeah, let's talk Bulls for a minute here. Uh, Bulls are... What's the, what's the record now? Two and three? Uh... They won a couple games this week, got blown out in their first couple games because they couldn't play defense. It's like they forgot how to play defense. I did like how after the first win of the season, it was Zach Levine. If you haven't heard the press conference when Zach was asked about it and Kobe White's in the background going, it was Zach, it was Zach, it was Zach's idea. It's funny. Zach Levine gave the game ball to Billy Donovan, who immediately gave it to Arturis Karnaschovas. That was, that was really cool. And I stand by it. Bulls are a playoff team. They're made, they're going to be the last seed in the East, but they're a playoff team. Yeah, I will I will stand by that. I, I'm not saying they should be a playoff team because if they were in the West, I would not be saying that. But because they're in the East, yeah, I think they're a playoff team. So a bad start's going to happen. They're the, are they still the youngest team in the league, if not one of the youngest teams in the league? Their starting lineup, no one's over 25. So, yeah, they're going to be growing pains here. And they're learning a new system. They're, they're used to losing. And I, I keep hearing quotes from Billy Donovan, who I'm really impressed with in press conferences, just a welcome change from the last year and a half of Jim Boylan and the cliches and the excuses. And Billy Donovan says this is an excuse-free zone. I love that. He's holding the guys accountable. And I also love that we're not seeing Luke Cornett on the court. We're not seeing Cristiano Felicio on the court. 
We're seeing Denzel Valentine a little bit. Did you see him try to do the behind-the-back pass against Milwaukee? <laughs> that was just... It was comic relief. But yeah, I think, I think the Bulls... There's a lot of room left to grow. I like what I'm seeing from Patrick Williams. I think he's settling in nice. Very high ceiling. But they still need a number one guy. They're not a complete team by any means. They need a number one guy. And I like that Arturis and Mark Eversley are taking their time, seeing how these guys are on the court. Because you can watch practice all you want. Once you see them on the court in an actual game, that's when you start seeing what you need to do next. And I like that they're taking their time with it. I understand taking their time with it. They need a number one guy. Who that is, I don't know. But they need somebody. And free agency this offseason is going to be huge. I think Garrett Temple is also... I talked about him a while back when I when I had Chuck Swirsky on the show. I brought up Garrett Temple after the interview played. And I his leadership, how he can be a presence in the locker room... You're seeing that now because even in Washington, things started getting away from the Bulls. Temple came in. He was kind of a calming presence. And find the video when Wendell Carter made his he made a three against Washington. He didn't want to shoot it. And he passed it to Garrett Temple. And Temple held the ball, pointed to Wendell, and said, shoot it. And Wendell shot it and made it. I think he's a very good leader. You won't, you won't see it in the stat sheet. His impact will not be seen in the box score. But he's a calming presence in the locker room and on the court. I think he's going to be a bigger piece than people think this year. He's going to be a role player. I'm not saying he's going to be an all-star caliber player. He's not the number one guy that the Bulls need. He was never a number one guy. He probably will never be a number one guy. He's a great leader, and people are talking about potential coach. Like there are surveys around the league saying Garrett Temple will be a good potential coach. I think he was second in voting behind Rajon Rondo, who would also be a great coach. So that's what Garrett Temple brings to the table. And that excites me because, I mean, it's a young team. we, we got to remember that. Like, yes, the changes this offseason. I was, like, I, I got a little too high on the Bulls. A little bit. I was a little too over the top. I'm like, oh, they're back. They're back. Well, they're not all the way back yet. They're getting there. But they're taking good steps to get there. And part of that is bringing in guys like Garrett Temple who can serve as good leaders. Also great to see Devon Dotson get some minutes against Milwaukee. He scored his first he scored his first NBA points. He grew up a Bulls fan. Scoring them for the Bulls is great. I still, watching him, he his path reminds me a lot of Fred Van Vliet. And that undrafted player could play himself into a contract. Doesn't He He was All-American at Kansas. I don't know how he didn't get drafted. But the fact that he went undrafted, got to go to the Bulls, his hometown team. Maybe he can play his way into, I know he's on a two-way deal. Maybe he can play his way onto a big league deal. But the Bulls are on the upswing. Got about nine minutes left here, so I want to go back to Bears-Packers again. 325 kickoff today at Soldier Field. Big, big game. Big game. And I'm not talking just for playoff implications. There are jobs on the line. I'm, ta- I'm talking Ryan Pace. I'm talking Mitch Trubisky. Maybe Matt Nagy. I'm seeing conflicting reports about Matt Nagy's future. Jay Glazer saying time will tell about Matt Nagy. Ian Rappaport saying he's safe. Flat up in the air yet. If they lose today and the Cardinals win, the Bears are out of the playoffs. If the Bears win today, they're in. If the Cardinals, if the Cardinals win today, they're out. 
So basically, the easy road is to just beat Green Bay. It's that easy, right? Just beat the Packers. Just beat the Packers for a playoff spot. It's that easy. Nothing to it. Right? Is that how this works? No, that's not how this works. It's going to be a tough game, as always. And the Cardinals are going up against a Jared Goff-less and Cooper Cup-less team and a potentially Cam Akers-less team in the L.A. Rams. So very important games today. Both games, again, 325 today. Both games kick off at the same time to avoid potentially finding out about playoff spots before games are played or after games are played. I like that the NFL did that. I know people are like, oh, why, why isn't Bears Packers at 720? Because if they're at 720, that means they're, they're the only game at 720. So they'll know what's going on with their playoff chances before their game. That's not fair. That's an advantage. That's what the NFL wants to avoid. That's why they're at 325. 720 tonight, the Washington football team against the Philadelphia Eagles. I will be wearing my Washington football team t-shirt tonight that I got for Christmas. I am so happy that I got a football team t-shirt. I'll be wearing that under my Bears quarters when I go to work tonight. But yeah, I I go back. It's going to be the defense needs to step up tonight. Now, the Bears have Akeem Hicks this time. The last time they played the Packers, they didn't have Akeem Hicks. And the Packers have some injuries too. Let me pull, let me pull up their injury report. They have, some, they have some key injuries. I know David Bakhtieri's out. I saw that. And there's someone on defense that's out. Yeah, left tackle David Bakhtieri made an appearance on the injury report. He's out. Uh, Kingsley, I think it's Kingsley Kiki, has a concussion defensive lineman. He's out. Those are two big injuries for Green Bay. Now, Bears injury report. Jalen Johnson is out tonight. Again, he's got that shoulder injury. That's a big loss for the defense. And Duke Shelley's out with a knee injury. Oh, no, I'm misreading the report. I'm sorry. Duke Shelley will play. Bruster Screen is out with a concussion. So, correction there. Duke Shelley will play. Bruster Screen is out. They're right on top of each other on the injury report, and I flipped them. But Jalen Johnson and Buster Screen are out. Deion Bush, Deshaun Gibson, Demetrius Harris, and Cole Komet are all questionable. Same with Cordero Patterson. But big injuries for the Packers again. David Bakhtieri, and I think it, I think you pronounce it Kiki. I feel like I'm singing a Drake song here. But those are who the Packers have out tonight. But yeah, having Akeem Hicks back. I mean that without Akeem Hicks, the Bears' defense is a is a dog with no teeth, a lion with no teeth. However, the analogy goes. I don't know. How, I don't know how the damn analogy goes. But they don't have any teeth. Is what I'm trying to say. There, he's the driving. He's the engine that drives that defense. To mix metaphors here, losing him for that first game against Green Bay hurt. But today, hopefully, it'll have some sort of impact. The Action Network just tweeted out that 72 percent of the money today is on the Packers by four and a half against the Bears. Now, that, I saw three and a half yesterday, so it could have moved to four and a half. I did not look yet today. But the the high, the most betted team, the Green Bay Packers, at four and a half. I'm, this kills me to say, I really want, I want the Bears to win today. So it's an easy route to the playoffs. Draft position is out the window. Packers 35, Bears 27. 
that's my prediction. I, I know I said Akeem Hicks being back will help the defense, but it's Aaron Rodgers. It, it, that's, there's nothing else to say there. But 35-27, I think Green Bay is going to win. I think it's going to be high scoring, obviously, but I really think I think the Packers are going to win. I think the Bears' playoff hopes are going to come down to how Kyler Murray performs against L.A. today. Now, if the Bears miss the playoffs, tomorrow is going to be a very interesting day. I have a feeling we'll see some sort of press release from the Bears containing what? I'm not sure exactly, but I would guess Ryan Pace's future especially hangs in the balance today. Same with Mitchell Trubisky. That one won't be in a press release, though. I honestly and truly think that Matt Nagy is safe. Because he'll have three eight-plus win seasons. Including that playoff run in 2018 that could have gone longer if it wasn't for Cody Parkey, who I'm seeing is not doing well in warm-ups today for Cleveland. Insert nervous laughter here. <laughs> yeah, he's not... I guess warm-ups aren't going well for Cody Parkey, so uh, hope on the Today Show tomorrow, Cody Parkey. That's what's going to happen. Well, maybe not the Today Show this time. Maybe he'll be on uh, Good Morning America or one of the other morning shows. WGN Morning News. Who knows? But Good Morning Cleveland. Is that a thing? Will he be on that? He'll be on some sort of morning show tomorrow if he doesn't play well today. I've seen this movie before. But yeah, Matt Nagy's had three A-plus win seasons, a playoff run, Coach of the Year award. Granted, that was the year Ryan Pace won Executive of the Year, and here we are. But there's so much going on away from the field with this game today. And again, I, as long as it doesn't end like the 2013 game, and I don't think it will because this, this defense would blow that 2013 defense out of the water. Because that 2013 D was bad. Like in terms, in Bears history, historically bad. It was the one exception to the the Bears joke that all they have no offense, all defense. That year was all offense, no defense. And that's why today's game is huge. And it'd be one thing if the McCaskies didn't hate losing to Green Bay so much. But they, I mean, they hate losing in general, but they especially hate losing to Green Bay. I'll, I'll be happy to be wrong with my prediction. But that's what, that's just what I'm going with. I think it's going to be high scoring. 35-27, Packers victory at Soldier Field. I'm really not sure what to predict for the Cardinals game. I, I really don't. If Jared Goff and Cooper Cup were playing, I'd have more confidence in a prediction for the Arizona Cardinals game. But I... I don't know. It depends on which Kyler Murray shows up. Do you get Dr. Jekyll? Do you get Mr. Hyde? Do you get the MVP caliber Kyler Murray? Or do you get the Kyler Murray that can't do much? He was on my fantasy team this year. My fantasy season's over. I I didn't finish last, by the way. That's a good thing. But he was on my fantasy team. So I really wasn't planning to pay much attention to how he did in Week 17 until it had Bears implications. I'll be watching both games today. And we'll see what happens. Stay tuned into Twitter because Twitter is going to be <laughs> Twitter is going to be wild today. So just a couple programming notes here. Obviously, 
be here next Sunday. If you want to tune in, if you're into college basketball, which I didn't get to today because there was so much other stuff to talk about, I'm doing a Missouri Valley Live Periscope on my Facebook page tomorrow night after the Southern Illinois game. Southern Illinois Drake is at 6 tomorrow night after that game. I'll be doing a Missouri Valley Live, recapping the week in Valley play, looking ahead. Hope to see you then. I'm over time, so I'm going to step away. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask. I will see all of you next week, hopefully tomorrow on my Twitter. Packers 35-27 is a prediction. Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully next week we're talking Bears playoffs. We'll see what happens. Have a great week, everybody.